Welcome to the Outside Story. My name is Larry. I'm Jessica. And I'm Jonathan. So for this episode, we will be talking about Mother. It is a film directed by Darren Aronofsky. Recently, he's done Noah and he's done Black Swan. It stars Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem, Ed Harris, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Before we start talking about our impressions, reviewing it, and the elements of the film, I'm going to give like a really quick synopsis, which will take like a couple minutes. Okay, So the film doesn't have any character names. Everyone is referred to by a title. So you have a main character whose name is Him, and you have Mother, who is played by Jennifer Lawrence. Mother is about a couple who live in a two-story house. The house is separated from society in the middle of the wilderness, so it's old and worn down. Him is a famous poet, but hasn't written anything in years, while the mother is repairing floors and repainting the walls, taking care of the house and tending to the chores. So one evening, a man shows up to the house, thinking it was a place to stay for the night. Him welcomes the man in. Mother is uncomfortable allowing a stranger in, but complies. The man realizes this and decides to leave, but him insists on staying over. Him spends most of the time chatting with man and explores him's office, telling mother it's nice to have someone to talk to who enjoys his work, despite mother saying she loves his work too. The office houses a crystal that him treasures and man is amazed by it and wants to touch it, but him refuses. Then man has a violent coughing fit that him tends to. The next day, another knock is heard. Mother answers it to find man's wife, Women, at the front. Him welcomes her into the house as well. Him and man go for a hike while mother is left alone with the woman. She bothers mother with questions about whether or not she and him want children, as well as woman's curiosity in going up to him's office. But mother says nobody can go in without his permission. Upon their return, man has another coughing fit. Him explains to mother that man is dying, and he and his wife are big fans of him so they wanted to meet him before it was too late. Man and woman enter Him's office and accidentally shatter the crystal object. Him is devastated, ordering them out of the office. He holds the broken pieces in his hands, gripping them until he bleeds. Mother orders man and woman to leave, but they instead go into another room to get intimate. After a while, man and woman still have not left until him and mother both agree that they must leave. As man and woman are getting ready to head out, their sons arrive, bickering over the state of their dad's will. Oldest son is angry at getting less than his brother. The confrontation turns violent as oldest son attacks his brother before him separates them. They run into the bedroom where oldest son bludgeons his brother over the head, causing his skull to crack open and bleed. Him picks up younger brother and carries him to the hospital, with man and woman following. Mother cleans up the blood on the floor, but one stain in the floor won't come out. She presses against it and it starts leaking blood into the basement. Mother goes downstairs and sees blood leaking into a light bulb until it shatters. The sprayed blood forms around the wall. Mother breaks through and sees a furnace oil tank. Oldest son appears from behind her, having been hiding. He simply takes something of his and leaves the house without a word. When the others return, him tells mother that younger brother is dead. A wake is held for him in the house, with other strangers arriving to pay their respects. Mother becomes increasingly agitated with the behavior of the guests. She argues with him over their stay until they become intimate. In the morning, mother tells him that she feels she is pregnant. Him is inspired to start writing again. He completes his work and sends it out, getting the attention of the Herald. Sometime later, mother is nearing the end of her pregnancy. 
as she cooks dinner to celebrate Him's written works. Fans of Him start showing up at the house. Soon a horde of fans start walking up to the house, including the Herald, who wants to speak to Mother. Their growing presence starts to take a toll on Mother, who experiences a pain that causes the house to shake. Despite Mother trying to hide from the crowd, the fans start to break things and steal stuff from the house. As she moves to different rooms, people begin to act violently toward one another. Some people are tied up and have bags over their heads. The Herald walks around casually shooting them in the head before calmly talking to Mother. A massive blast goes through the room, killing the Herald. A SWAT team has entered the house, fighting against the increasingly manic crowd of fans. Mother then starts to go into labor. Him finds her in the chaos and brings her into his office where she gives birth to a baby boy. Him wants to hold his son, but Mother refuses to let him go. She demands that Him sends the fans away. Mother sits in the office for a whole day holding her son until she falls asleep. When she wakes up, her baby is gone. Him brings their son to show to the crowd. They start passing the baby around until the crowd breaks the baby's neck. Mother hears it and frantically tries running to the front of the room. When she gets there, she sees her baby has been horribly mutilated and the fans are eating him. Mother screams in fury, causing the house's foundation to crack. She grabs a piece of glass and starts stabbing and slashing the fans until their leader grabs her and whacks her over the head with a candlestick. The fans start brutally beating Mother. Him runs in to stop them, holding his wife tearfully. Mother screams at him that they killed their baby. Mother runs to the basement, where she comes upon the oil tank. She breaks it open and lets the oil flow before taking out a lighter. Him pleads with the mother to not do anything, but she defies him and drops the lighter. The entire house goes up in flames, burning everyone in the house to ashes before everything around the house explodes. Him and mother survive, but mother is terribly burnt while him is unscathed. Him carries mother's body out of the basement. She asks him who he is. He says, I am I, and you are home. She asks where he is taking her, and he says, to the beginning. When she asks what he wants, he says he wants her love. She tells him he can have it. He digs his hands into her chest and pulls out her heart, causing her body to crumble to the burnt ash. Him crushes the heart in his hands, and pieces fall away revealing a crystal object like the one he had before. He places it in the same spot in the remains of his office, while chuckling to himself. The house once again turns from destroyed to brand new. A young woman then forms in the bed, calling out for her husband. Jessica, if you want to start us off. <laughs> yeah. Your first impression of this film or if you heard of it, you know, uh, beforehand. Are you sure you want my first impressions? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I've heard about this movie because I, I like Jennifer Lawrence as an actress. And I don't... In- closely follow everything she does but ever since hunger games i've liked what she's done i can't remember what other things i have seen her in i oh i saw her in silver what's it called silver linings playbook i think that's what it's called yeah i've seen that and i really liked her and um she's also in the x-men series too first class oh yeah i forgot about Mm -hmm. that see yeah i liked her in there too and i liked her hunger games and silver linings playbook and then when this one came out, I was like, oh, this will be interesting. Um, but it didn't really grab my attention as to, like, a film that I would pay to go watch. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, like, if I want to see it, like, I'll watch it whenever it comes out. So when you suggested this, 
I was like, okay, this will be interesting to watch. And then Jason was like, don't watch it. Like, I saw all these things. I read all these things. I was like, oh my gosh. So I kind of had this, <laughs> this notion of almost like not liking it already. Bias. Yeah, like a bias of <laughs> yeah, not yeah. liking it. And then when I watched it, uh, when I first watched it, well, I only watched it once. I was like, I don't know if I want to watch it again <laughs> <laughs> after the first time watching it. But um, yeah, so I watched it and I didn't really know like the premise of the film. I kind of went in blind. I, I mean, I kind of knew the gist of it. Like this couple lives out in the middle of nowhere or something and, you know, people unexpectedly show up that's the gist i got of the movie before even watching it so going in i was it was pretty i was pretty blind i didn't know what was going to happen mm-hmm. and um it kind of just jumps you right in to whatever is going on you're not sure what's going on and then i feel like chaos just kind of like ensues like the whole movie mm-hmm. um but overall, my first impressions, I did not like it. Okay. <laughs> Just because I felt like it was very chaotic. And for someone who wasn't going in with like an, like looking at it like creatively and artistically, and someone who just wants to like enjoy a film, like this is not the film for you. If you're just going in to like enjoy a film, like, this yeah, this isn't it. like a weekend. Yeah, like film a you can feel watch good movie. Like it's not. <laughs> it definitely makes you like have to think about the movie and like what's actually going on. For me, I had to really think about it. I was like, okay, like what is going on? Like I kind of get it, but I'm not sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Would it have been better if I told you ahead of time it was this kind of film? You know yes. I mean? Okay. I think so. Okay. Because yeah. Cause I, I honestly, I didn't know what kind of film it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, or what kind of genre it was. Yeah. Because um, if, I feel like if I went in with, okay, at least I know the genre, then I would have been like, okay, like, I think I kind of know what, I, what to look for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but those are my first impressions. I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... Well, for me at least, like the reason why I brought this film or why I recommended this film was because uh, we're just kind of all the films we've pot- we've reviewed so far. They kind of have this. Uh, I have this scale called a weirdness scale for films. So you have like a scale from one through ten. One is like something that's really easy to understand. You got like Transformers, romantic comedies, and then ten is like you have no idea like what the heck this is really weird i have to really think about it um and that's something like midsummer or anything area Ari aster basically um so the thing is like we've, we've talked about like jordan peele's works before and we've talked about um that kind of artistic feel to it and even burning has a has a little more creative artistic flair to it too so i, I would place like burning at like seven um, and maybe Jordan Peele's works are a little bit more like a six, a five, where it's like you can kind of make sense of it, but it's still very creative. And then this film is like a nine. It's really freaking weird. <laughs> and I remember I recommend this film because I, I actually um, I, I love this film. 
I, I absolutely love this film. And I, I think it's part of my fault too because whenever I approach a film, when I start watching a film, I can usually figure out within the first five or ten minutes that um, this kind of film is going to be very artistic or this kind of film is very uh, formulaic by the book, uh, very straightforward. It's going to be easy to understand. And I watched this film with a friend who uh, wanted to watch it but didn't really want to, didn't really know who to watch it with. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch it with you because I'm usually open to any kind of film. And uh, she mentioned Darren Aronofsky. I'm like, okay, I don't know who that is. And then she's like, Black Swan. I'm like, okay, I, I know who he is now. And knowing Black Swan and knowing how how um, Darren Aronofsky kind of approaches his filmmaking, I went in knowing that. And so... I sat through it and watched the film with my friend and absolutely loved it. Every like every 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 frame, every second, whatever it is you want to say. Um, and and uh, I remember walking out and wanting to express this to everyone, but then I forgot about this scale. And I would I would recommend it to people like without thinking about the scale. I'm like, oh yeah, this film was really weird to everyone, but for me, like it's weird, but I I really like it. I like that artistic flair to it, and so. Watching it again for the second time uh, for this podcast, I'm like, yeah, I, I still love this film. It, it hasn't changed at all. I still love it. I really like this film. It made me think a lot. I watched this film with my friend Miguel. And so some of the stuff that I'll talk about today during this podcast kind of comes out of that discussion. And some of the okay. ideas um, will also be Miguel's ideas, but then I'll let you know. I'll, I'll give him credit. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so... I agree with Jess that it is definitely not, or with the both of you, that it's definitely not a film that I would categorize as brain candy, like movies like Avengers and, you know, um, what you guys are saying, uh, Transformers, stuff like that. That's like brain candy movies where you just kind of like sit and you just don't have to think too much about it. But Mother is a film for me that kept me thinking for days after watching it. Um, and it kind of g- gave me the creeps a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I live by myself right now. Or actually, I have a roommate who just moved in a couple days ago. So during the time that I watched this film, I was living by myself. And so I just kept having these like thoughts that like people would keep trying to come in, you know, like they would, like I would wake up in the middle of the night. Show up at your door. (laughs) They would like knock on my door and be like, hey, can I come in and sleep here? It's like, uh, no, you can't. Um, And so I kept having those thoughts. But overall, I think it's very artistic and well done film. I don't know if I agree with some of its criticisms, but I do think that it is very well written. It is very well acted. And the way in which the cinematography and the directing and everything just kind of comes together, I think is beautiful. And it's a really good film that I think people who, you know, want to create film should definitely study and take a look at. Okay, cool. Uh, Jonathan, do you remember we actually saw a trailer for this? Yeah, I do remember. And it, yeah. it, it the trailer kind of like, it kind of, uh, what's the word? It puts it out, like it advertises it as like a thriller slash horror film um yeah and so that's what i thought it was going to be and so when uh when i first saw it i was like oh that looks interesting jennifer lawrence in a horror film 
but then it had come out and then I had a lot of friends who had watched it and said like it's not what you think it is and it's definitely not for everybody and so I was kind of like oh that's kind of weird and so I just decided not to see it but I did have a lot of seminarian friends who saw the film and like recommended it as like a film that like Christians should watch and Christians should uh, see so mm-hmm. yeah and also, like, it reminded me a lot of um, the movie called The Fountain. I don't know if you guys had heard of that. It's uh, with Hugh Jackman. Um, and it's about him, uh, like, struggling through with this idea of mortality as he tries to save his wife. And so, yeah, it has kind of has the same sort of vibe. Very artsy, very, like, what in the world's going on right now? I have no idea. Why is this happening? Yeah, a lot of that stuff. Just reminded me a lot of that movie. Did it? Did it? Uh, Darren Aronofsky do that one too? Oh I'm, yeah, he did. Because I was like, because I'm like, oh, I I was just looking him up, and I was like, I thought that came up, and it, yeah. Yeah, but yes, I guess he did do the fountain. But <laughs> okay. I, yeah, it reminded me a lot of that film. I think you would like the fountain, Larry. Okay. Yeah, I probably yeah. would. I mean, yeah. I've liked his work so far, but so yeah, yeah. I. I really want to see Black Swan. I haven't seen it. It's ever since I feel like Black Swan came out when I was still kind of like young. Like I was, I don't know, like in. You're at, it was, it came out in 2010. Yeah, 2010. Yeah, so like I guess I was in early college. And yeah, that kind of uh, just freaked me out a little bit. So I decided that I wasn't going to watch yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I watched it. I just don't remember it that well. I just remember it being a little weird too. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that Darren Aronofsky directed it or produced it or whatever. That's pretty much like his signature kind of style. Okay, so I had a question for you too. When did you guys start to realize that it was an allegory? Because the thing is, like, when I first watched the film, I had no idea what I was getting myself into either. Like, I remember watching the trailer with Jonathan. We went to go watch it uh, around the same time. And then when I watched this film, I was I didn't know what to expect. And so... I was just curious when you guys, when you two realized that it was trying to say something a little bit or trying to make some kind of allusions to biblical stories. Honestly, I didn't know that until after watching it and looking it up. (laughs) Because I I knew that it had to do, it obviously had to do with something deeper because I feel like this film was like very autistic and very like creative. So I knew there had to be something deeper and but yeah i didn't i didn't make the realizations or connections until i read and like i heard what other people had to say about it Mm -hmm. and then for me it clicked i was like oh okay like that makes so much more sense now after the movie (laughs) i feel like for me that's that's what happens like i'm not sure what is going on in a movie until after i read about it i'm like oh okay that makes sense like you know things just start to click so yeah yeah um yeah i think for me i went in knowing that it was gonna be an allegory and i knew it was gonna be a christian allegory i just didn't know which story it was going to reflect on or Mm -hmm. retell but then it really clicked for me when when the two sons came and then it was clear when the uh, older son killed the younger one that yeah. it was the story of Cain and Abel. And so I was like, oh, okay. So we're dealing with kind of like like Old Testament sort of like beginning of the world, you know, mm-hmm. sort of allegory. And so um, that's, that's basically when I figured out and 
And then when I started to think, and, and I knew that the earth was going to be, or one of the characters or one of the things in the house was going to represent the earth. And so I was kind of looking out for that throughout the whole film as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I kind of went, I kind of went in knowing, but that's just because people told me that it was an allegory <laughs> yeah. um, for like Christian stories and stuff. And so, yeah, I kind of knew, I guess that's cheating a little bit, but yeah, for me, it clicked when man and woman broke the glass because they were told constantly not to go there, but they went up there anyway, and then they broke it, and then she went and said, oh, but we said we're sorry, and it got me thinking, like, oh, okay, so we're going to move on to the actors, uh, the actors and their performance. So, like I said, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Jennifer Lawrence plays the mother which is uh, the main lead, the main character. And she's supported by Javier Bardem, who plays him, and also by Ed Harris, who plays man, and Michelle Pfeiffer, who plays woman. So I'm curious about your guys' take on the actors' performances. For Jennifer Lawrence, I, like I said, like, like I said earlier, I didn't know what to expect coming into this movie. And I feel like Jennifer Lawrence really surprised me with her her acting or just her her role as her in her role in her character I wasn't expecting that type of character coming out from her I don't know because her character is really like calm and I don't want to say laid back but but then I don't want to say naive either (laughs) but at times I feel like like she was like naive and like passive right yeah like passive and um yeah, she just like wasn't standing up for herself in certain things and so I wasn't expecting her character to be like that. And also like another thing that might have turned me off that I didn't want to watch this film was because at the time she was dating the director. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, I was like, mm, like that was for me that was like a big turn off for some reason. I think they dated because of this film. Yeah, I think so too. So that that was like a big turnoff for me. That was a reason why I didn't want to watch it because I knew that like they were dating at the same time as filming this movie. Yeah. But um, but I think she did a really good job. I think Javier Bardem. I haven't seen him. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. I don't remember him in anything else really. Um, I know he's. I know he's a really big name, but I don't think I have seen him in anything else. I could be wrong. Hold on. I saw him in Pirates of the Caribbean. That's I knew him. Yeah, but that doesn't count. <laughs> no, it counts. It but, does um, count. Oh, that this was a big movie for him. No Country for Old Men. It came out a long time ago, 2007. Mm-hmm. That was. I remember that title, that movie title being really big during like Oscar season. But yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him anything else. I did. I think he did a really good job too, as a supporting role. And as for Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer, I feel like they're they've been actors for such a long time. I always expect the best from them. Yeah. <laughs> and they always do really well in what they do. So yeah, that's all I have to say. All right. Yeah, I really liked Jennifer Lawrence here in this film. I think it's one of her best performances because I've always I've always seen her in like Hunger Games or X Men. She has a more I guess you can say a more declared role, so it's kind of it's easy what to expect from her from that kind of character. But for this film, 
I think the moment that made me realize that, like, man, she's a really good actress was when she witnessed the two brothers fighting and when the oldest son killed the younger one. And she was just, like, completely terrified. And the oldest son goes up to, goes up to her and says, like, I, I didn't like I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. It just happened that way. And she's like, you can just see the absolute terror in her eyes. And she's just so like f- frightened, and scared for her life. And then you see him just walk out of the house <laughs> with the family. I'm like, what the f are you doing? <laughs> like, don't you see your wife like being terrified? Don't you see this? What's going on? Like, are you crazy? Like, you just gonna leave like that? Um, yeah. So that moment made me realize, like, yeah, like she's she's really good. And Michelle Pfeiffer, too. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer played not really an antagonist, but she had a very, like, antagonistic vibe and attitude toward uh, Mother. I thought she did a really good job in that role, too. I really liked Jennifer Lawrence's performance in this movie as well. I think she did phenomenal. Overall, just stunning performances from everybody. I particularly... I don't really have anything to say in particular, except it was really it was really well done. Yeah, you guys pretty much said everything. I did want to comment on something that you said about about him, the character. Sure. Uh, he's a pretty bad husband overall. Um, yeah. And so it didn't really surprise me that he didn't want to be with, or he didn't care about how Mother was reacting to what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's... I think from the beginning, it just kind of seems like she's always the one tidying up the house. She's always the one cooking, and she's always the one doing stuff. And um, and he doesn't really care much about. He's just kind of using her, and 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 you know that's just kind of one of the themes that you kind of see throughout all that is just the husband continuing to use mother for whatever it is that she can, she can give. I mean, everything that she had given him wasn't good enough, and so all that to say, he's a bad husband. Okay, so while you're on the spotlight, I guess, um, we're going to move on to themes and the symbolism that they have in this film. So I'm going to go ahead, Jonathan, and let me hear what you think. Because this film has a lot of allegory towards the stories in the Bible. And particularly, like they cover pretty much everything from old to new to revelations. So I'm go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, I mean... I feel like there the criticism that at least when when I watched it the criticism seems to be that like God is this if him represents God that God is this person or being that just kind of wants to use the people around him and abuse kind of whatever it is because God is this all powerful you know like like him didn't get like he didn't get a hurt in the fire and all that stuff and if mother is supposed to represent the earth then you know it's it's god kind of like using and abusing the earth for whatever it is that he wants and i don't know if i i don't i mean it's it's difficult to to boil down god into into that kind of persona or character and Mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know i'm christian and so i'm gonna come from this from a christian perspective and a christian bias if you look at the Old Testament, then yes, I could see why, you know, like you believe God has these particular personality traits or characteristics and stuff like that. I just feel like almost a little unfair to think that we could boil down God into this person or character. There is this other sort of theory that 
me and Miguel were talking about that where him actually represents religion or Christianity or kind of like the, I don't know what the word is, the personification of like what people think of God. So this, like him represents an idea more so than God itself. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I like that idea a little bit better because if you see throughout kind of all the film like the people who come the fans and stuff like that like they're all worshiping him and i feel like that's a pretty good criticism that you know people who tend to be in religion or any sort of organized religion or follow a particular faith can sometimes blindly follow people to the point where they start to get abused by the people in power and so him could represent in a sense, um, just the people in power or the idea of organized religion in general, and that we sometimes fall back into this, oh yeah, we're going to blindly follow whatever it is that this tradition or this person in charge is going to tell us because we love him, you know, or we love her and we love it. For me, that's a more logical coming to, just because I'm a Christian, like I said, and so it's difficult for me to put this idea of God into a box. Because I don't think that we could do that. Sorry, I wanted to comment on what you were just saying. How you think the th- your theory of him representing more of like religion or organization or you know something like that. But I also think it could represent almost anything in general. It could be a celebrity. It could be like honestly anything that you could put on a pedestal and you can like obsess over. And fantasize over I feel like him could be that too does that make sense yeah that makes sense yeah so that's all I had to say <laughs> yeah, yeah you know there's just this this idea of like you know something kind of controlling you or your life or stuff like that and the fact that you know like if him were to represent organized religion and or Christianity then the idea that like Christians would continue to abuse the earth and continue to not think about like the ways that, you know, like our choices impact the earth and the world around us is detrimental, I think, to future generations, to like our children's children, and it's not being good stewards of the earth that God has left us in charge of, you know? If you look in the Bible and you look at what what God says to Adam, it's clear that Adam is not just an abuser of the earth that he is given, but, you know, like if you... If you're a king or someone in power and you give somebody, like, the keys to your house, you don't expect them to, like, trash your house and destroy it and use it. Like, you know, if we were to use this analogy in Mother, like, you expect them to care for it, to to love it, to treat it as their own. And I think, you know, Christians get this idea that, like, because God has given us dominion over the earth, that dominion means we can do whatever it is that we want. And I don't think that that's true. If a king were to have dominion over his territory, over his land, that doesn't mean he abuses his people and his subjects. That means that he loves them and cares for them and, and makes sure that they are thriving in, in what it is they do, that, that they do. That says a lot to how we, Christian or not, should care for the earth and the time that we are here. In general, there are some also like question marks, like things that, that I'm just kind of like, okay, I don't understand what that means or what that's supposed to say. Um, and there were some mysteries and unanswered questions, which kind of warrant for second viewing. But other than 
Like, I don't want to dig too deep into mysteries or questions or anything like that. Yeah. And so I'm not going to dig too deep into that. But there is one more sort of theory that Miguel and I discussed I thought was really interesting was the idea of the poetry piece that he was working on, that, like, he had gone into his room, wrote it, and then, like, it became something, and, like, everybody kind of, like, wanted to get their hands on it. And, when she, and then when she had read it, then they had sex, and then the baby happened, right? And so, like, it no, was almost... I, I think... I hold on. I think... No, I thought he was inspired to write because she was pregnant. Right, 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 right. Okay, so, okay. yeah. I, and I knew, I knew I got the order of events wrong there, but it's this idea that, like, you know, the, 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 the poetry piece was in tandem with, like, having the child is what I'm trying to get at. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so the poetry piece and the child kind of came at the same time. And so there's this idea of, like, the written word, right, which is the poetry piece itself is the written word that kind of like came out and people like they like they like obsess over this written word and they think that it's beautiful and that it's great and and then they don't really pay attention to like the person who's actually carrying like the living word right which is the child the child is what had inspired the written word but the living word that's still alive within Jennifer Lawrence's character, like nobody really cared about it until it was born. And then when it was born, there was no care taken for it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and, and, and even like the living word in and of itself was uh, something that was taken and abused. And so I really like that idea of, you know, like the written word, people obsessing over that. And saying like, oh, this is so important and they, we worship it and it's great. And then we don't care for the living word. And then the living word comes and then we just kind of take it and abuse it and use it kind of for our own gain, you know? I thought that that was a really cool and interesting theory that Miguel and I talked about. The rest of the stuff that I have in my brain is just like questions and mystery, mysteries and stuff like that, that yeah. for me, I haven't really thought through and and solved or anything so they're just kind of questions i mean i can i can ask some of those questions and maybe if you guys have thoughts maybe you can talk about them but one of the things i was trying to think about is like what does the house represent it could be mother and the house kind of represent the same thing um but then another theory that miguel and i talked about is that the house represents the earth and mother is actually not representative of the earth but is actually representative of this idea of love or the spirit, like the idea of this Holy Spirit who kind of goes through, takes care of the earth, takes care of, of what it is that Christianity needs, takes care of this, gives birth to Jesus or the living word, you know? And so yeah. she's representative of the spirit who kind of like weaves in and out. And because, you know, as the, as the camera follows her, like it's almost as if she's dancing through the house, you know, and kind of blowing through mm-hmm. the house constantly. So, like, what if Mother represented not the Earth, but the idea of the Spirit, this mm-hmm. existence or being that, uh, that continues to pull together and is the heart of existence itself, you know, is this idea of life and Christianity and or God, if you want to believe that him is God, would take and abuse this idea and just kind of use it for their own gain. I like that theory also. I feel like it's a little bit more full. If you want to think about the Trinity and stuff like that too. Then again, I haven't really thought through like what that would look like. Um, yeah, 
I think the Trinity for this film, I think, is a little bit of a stretch. It's a little difficult, I think, to piece together because, in a way, like the the sun is only there for so long. You know what I mean? So right, right. Because in New Testament, he makes more of a bigger impact. So in this one, he just kind of like I mean, but. But if you think about it, like Jesus' ministry, yes, he was on the earth for what thirty three years, but he right. didn't. Right, yeah. yeah, the whole timeline but, was very small. Yeah, but his ministry didn't start till he was thirty. So really, if you think about it, just three years, that's really short. That's true. So it could be like you know the short period of time that you know the baby was born. It could be representing that, that's like true. Jesus. And like yeah. right. I was, I was reading other things, and people were saying like. You know how the whole when the baby died, like, and then all those people like just tearing apart this my little gay little gory my. If you don't want to hear, it, you can mute this. But you know how they were like eating him and tearing him apart. Like people are saying, like that's like representative of us, you know, because Jesus represents like the body and the blood, you know, things like that. Like we eat, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so, like, people were saying, like, oh, like, that, like, kind of represents Jesus, too. Yeah, like, it yeah. represents communion or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very, I guess, gory depiction of communion. Um, yeah. It was, and it's then... It's literal. Yeah, so <laughs> when I when I heard it, I was like, oh, like, I would never think of it like that. I don't think Jesus meant it literally. <laughs> like, I know it's just, you know, an allegory, but still, I was like, oh. Just it was a very gory depiction of communion, and I was like, I don't ever want to think of communion that way. Right, right, and and you know, um, there are certain or there are some branches of Christianity that do believe that you are actually consuming the body and the blood of Jesus in communion, and so I don't think they see it that way either. But you know, it, it is just. I think it was just kind of done for a shock factor and also to kind of get that point across that like we tend to just, you know, take and abuse and not think about the repercussions or even like we don't even think about what it looks like to other people. You know, we're just kind of like doing what it is that we want. So, yeah, other theories and stuff. I don't know. I think I think that's that's all I really have to say about the symbolism and story. And, and, you know, there's there's questions that I have, but. Okay, here's a question that you guys can think about. Sure. Larry, you said in the synopsis that the older brother came back to the house and took something of his and then left without saying anything to mother. Actually, he he did. I remember yeah. he did. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I was reading the synopsis. I was like, I don't think that happened. <laughs> so yeah. yeah it's, it's my bad for not editing it properly. But no, yeah, it's okay. He said something. Yeah. I just want to say, like, yeah, like that. That was very confusing to me uh, when he had come back. The older brother had come back to the house and mother was trying to lock up the house and trying to make sure that nobody could nobody could get in. But when she went back up into the first floor of the house and yeah. she realized that, he, that the older brother had come back, grabbed his possession, whatever it is that he was looking for, and was saw it, her. Was it a will or something? I don't know I, what Because I know, I know they were fighting about that, but... Yeah, I can't remember what he grabbed either. Yeah, I don't I don't remember what he grabbed. But the point His is inheritance. Yeah, the point is he turned to look at mother and he said something along the lines of, um, like they left you, so you know what it's like to truly be alone. You know? And yeah. I thought that was kind of a weird like, huh? What is that supposed to mean? Like question mark. 
Yeah, so there's just moments like that throughout the film that I'm just like, I don't know what that's actually supposed to mean or what that's what that symbolizes. It sounds like he's implying that he's been forsaken or he's been abandoned because he did something, oh, like, by his father. Not, not by him, but, like, his father. Because it's almost as if they didn't really care enough about him even though he was their very first child, their very first son. I guess he made that remark to kind of make that point. I don't really know what Darren Aronofsky is trying to say with that, but I think that's what he's implying. It's like the sense of loneliness. You know what it's like. In a way, in the biblical perspective, in the actual story, maybe Cain felt that way, where he was abandoned and forsaken. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. yeah, thank it's, you it's, for it's entertaining all... the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all speculation and theory. That, that's the great thing about any kind of art, any kind of art. Anyone, everyone has their own way of looking at it, and they can just kind of bring in their own perspective and such. But I did want to touch upon a little bit on the house. When I first saw this film, I was trying to figure out what the heck the house was, and it actually didn't click until my second time watching it. And it, it really, I think the house really does represent Earth. And it's alive because when she touches the walls, she feels the heart beating. So she feels like, you know, she's part of the house because she's cared for it for so long. She's maintained it and nurtured it and cared for it and, you know, made sure it was at its state where it is now. In a way, the house is like a child to her at that point, you know. Later down the line, when she goes down to the oil, right, to the core of the earth, I guess you can say, and she, like, blows it up. It explodes the whole house. So it's kind of like how people or scientists have this theory that the Earth is eventually... Um, no, that's the star. I'm confusing my <laughs> theories now. Um, but essentially, like the Earth is going to die. It's going to eventually die. And whether or not we're the ones who do it or Mother Nature does it... Remember when um, 2012 people thought it was going to be the end of the world? Like that kind of stuff, natural disaster stuff happening... So in a way, that's what that's when the house exploding happens. That's when that occurs, and you even see the the heart appear in in an earlier segment too in the film when she goes to take her medicine. It's like this yellow medicine thing that she drinks, and she I don't know I don't remember if she dumps it at that time, but she takes it. But then there's like this thing in the toilet. I'm like, what the heck is that? Uh, it, it's the heart. It's actually the heart of the house. So my second time viewing it, I realized it was the heart of the house. And yeah, I, I actually, it was when, um, it, it, she found the heart in the toilet when she was cleaning up after, um, man, because man and woman were doing something and then she was trying to clean their rooms. That's when she found the picture of her husband in the luggage. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. And I thought that, yeah, I actually thought that that heart didn't belong to the house, but it actually belong to like uh, man oh. or something because man was like vomiting into that toilet like the night before yeah oh that's true okay no that makes a lot of sense now, now that yeah. you bring it up dang okay i didn't think of that no that, that makes sense and then all this yellow stuff this color that Aronofsky uses in this film supposedly like because she not only drinks yellow medicine but she paints the walls yellow too a lot of people alluded to this victorian novel that came out in the late 1800s called the yellow wallpaper and it's about a wife who has a controlling husband 
but some people also say that yellow represents like the sun the sunshine and she has to keep taking it every day or something to calm herself so there's a bunch of different theories and interpretations on that and i just joked that it was turmeric oh turmeric water yeah oh. like the spice turmeric yeah actually people were trying to theorize that too <laughs> yeah it looks like turmeric yeah and so another thing i noticed with the film i guess the biggest obvious one was when everyone was in the house so let's say the house is earth and then what sends everyone out of the house is water because someone sits on the sink and breaks the pipes right the water pipes so it's like the flood that sends everyone out of the house i don't think you see man and woman so that's the last scene i think they're in when it comes to being very creative it can be very self-indulging and very self-obsessive and one of the theories that people say that oh yeah it's to show how selfish creativity can be and i've been like a victim of this <laughs> i've been a victim of this and i think a lot of creators have been a victim of this as well you just become so dangerously self-indulgent with what it is you're working on and you just want everyone to praise it you show it and share it to everyone you know everyone loves it and you're just so proud of the thing that you created. Yeah, I think we've all been there. <laughs> I guess with this film, it just goes on to another, a whole nother level where he just completely neglects his own wife. Miguel and I theorized, we were talking about maybe this idea that the movie's saying that there's nothing that's ever really original. All the creative stuff that we take is inspired by the earth or inspired by other things. And what, what we do as creators is we just take from other people and try to make it our own instead of being truly creative, you know? Like there's no such thing as actual creativity or there's no such thing as like actually creating something new. It goes right, back to because, the saying like nothing, yeah. there's nothing new under the sun or something like that. Because mm -hmm. he needed inspiration, right? And he needed... He got the inspiration from others. So, okay, that makes sense. There is a couple things I really liked about this film technically and the way Darren Aronofsky just kind of approached his storytelling with this film. And the very first thing I noticed, this was about like maybe five minutes into this film and I was I was sitting this watching with my friend and I, I whispered to her and I was like, hey, like, do you realize there's only two types of shots in this film? The camera's only ever facing Jennifer Lawrence or the camera is behind Jennifer Lawrence, and we see what she sees. If it's not behind her, then it's like a first-person shot of what she's kind of looking at. And this became more apparent when she was watching Michelle Pfeiffer walk across the different halls. Why are we only seeing it from her perspective? Or like, why isn't it just changing angles and such? And I really liked this because it kind of goes and shows that kind of story we're watching is only from the mother's perspective and that's all we see and because of that's what we see everything else that kind of just shows up makes no sense what's with all these guests just showing up randomly in the house what's with all of these people just doing whatever the hell they want just stealing killing each other doing all this crazy stuff like i didn't so we're just as confused as her as this chaos continues to build up but in a more traditional film sense I guess we would probably get a little more of like him's perspective or a little bit of the other characters, but we only see it from mother's perspective. So in book terms, it would be like a, a limited third person point of view. Also, there actually is no music in this film. They actually had a composer for this film, but they let him go when they decided not to f make any music for the film. 
So there's only one kind of song uh, which plays at the end credits. When man and woman broke the glass, and then him orders all of them out. Like the the loudest thing. This is the loudest thing you ever hear in the film. Is when him tells him uh, quiet and then leave. But it's so hard to not ignore it because it's so important, and it just kind of goes to show you the kind of power with God's voice, his anger, his rage. Like you don't want to mess with that, that kind of thing. So yeah, those were a couple of the things I noticed a lot in this film. To be honest, it was this film was really hard for me to just like even pay attention to because yeah. like from what you're saying and I'm when I was reading about it, it is really from Jennifer Lawrence's character's point of view. I even read like an interview thing where Darren Aronofsky said that it is from her point of view. But for me, it was definitely hard to pay attention to the elements. And then I had to think back, I was, uh, was there even any music? <laughs> Until you mentioned at the end, I was like, oh, I don't even remember that at all. Because I feel like there was just so much going on. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know what to pay attention to or what was going to happen. I mean, from a... <laughs> I feel like a common sense, if this movie didn't have all these like allegorical themes and things tied to it, and if it were just to like happen to a normal person, (laughs) yeah, I feel like, yeah, I would be like, what the F? Like, no, you cannot come to my house. No, you cannot stay. Like, you have to leave. But um, yeah, it was so, for me, it was hard to pay attention to, to just pay attention to the film because I didn't know what was going on for me it was just too much chaos one of the themes that we didn't talk about was the theme of hospitality in the film or in hospitality if you want to look at it that way i think that it's something that the film tries to kind of comment on but it's also kind of done in a in such a way that it's like only for face value if that makes sense if you watch the film and you think that the film is about a an abusive husband who like tells his wife what to do then then maybe hospitality is one of the themes but then i think at the same time like hospitality in the film is i wonder what it would look like if jennifer lawrence's character was much more open you know because it's clear like from the beginning that like she doesn't really spend that much time with people in general you know Mm -hmm. um she's like always in the house and like she could leave the house if she wanted to like she could have left when when they took the son to the hospital she could have went with them but she didn't she stayed behind and so it's just kind of it makes you question like okay why did she stay behind is she afraid of going out or is she you know like is she just not used to going out or whatever or is her husband abusive and doesn't want her to to leave i wonder if if jennifer lawrence's character was more hospitable to the people around her if the story would have been different but then again for the sake of the allegory she needs to be that way yeah and i don't think he ever said he she couldn't leave right no i don't think he ever said that yeah so she actually could have left any time when i was listening to stuff they were saying that she never left the house and i was like oh yeah she did it (laughs) now that you mentioned like the hospitality thing um it almost reminds me of how like how we are today almost 
like not wanting to let people in or or not just not wanting to be like hospitable just to even like our neighbors or like the people around us because we don't know what their intentions are right yeah that it's like be, this idea of fear yeah. yeah yeah that's that's what i thought about when you brought up hospitality going back to the question about film elements and stuff like that i think overall it was done really well there was definitely a lot of intense scenes and very and it, it like the vi- the visual effects were done very well in those moments. Yeah, I'm not going to describe any of those scenes, but um, I, I felt that the the visual effects were very good. Um, I felt like um, the cinematography was well done. Uh, yeah, like the it kept. It kept circling around Jennifer Lawrence for some for some scenes. So we would see like, we would see her like the camera would be facing her, and it would swing or rotate around her so we can kind of see what she's looking at because she would have this face of like fear or terror or like what the heck is going on. Yeah, those are really good shots. Yeah, so that's pretty much it for the review. I'm curious, like your overall final thoughts. You guys know how I feel about this already. Yeah. <laughs> but after reading through theories and explanations of the movie, for me, I'm, I think, oh, okay, I can understand it a little bit better and I can appreciate it a little bit more. After the fact, it almost makes me want to go back and rewatch it now. <laughs> almost. Okay, almost. 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 Yeah, I feel like reading the theories really helped me break down everything because beforehand I was just super confused and I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I definitely suggest that if people are watching this, well, I don't know, at the end of this, I'm already talking about the end of this, so they would have already known what we're talking about. But now that you know the gist of it, you can go back and watch it with the fresh eyes and... Perspective. Yeah, a fresh perspective on it, and maybe people can find even more things that we didn't find. Yeah, overall, I feel like if you're looking for like a feel-good movie, this is not the movie for you. <laughs> but if you're looking for a more artistic, creative, and a like a deeper type of meaning in a film, then this would be the film for you. I would give it a seven out of ten. That's pretty high. It is okay, pretty so high. Before the theories, what were you gonna give it? Like a three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a three. But now after reading explanations and stuff like that, I would give it a seven out of ten. Overall, I like this film a lot. Definitely agree with what Jessica has to say about it being an artsy film. If you want something to think about, if you want something to chew on for the next couple of days, and if you don't live by yourself, then I recommend this film. I think you should be ready if you're going to watch this film. You should be ready for the intensity of it. There are some very intense and violent scenes. So just get ready for that. I was not ready and literally turned away. I've never had to turn my face away from watching something, but had to turn away at one of the scenes. And sorry, did you say something? No, I just wanted to comment. There was a scene with Jennifer Lawrence at the end with like the crowd and that was very intense and I like you like I had to turn away I was like I can't watch this like I don't know if I even want to hear it so just if you're gonna watch this just beware 
or for me, I always go on IMDb and go to the parental guide. And sometimes the parental guide over exaggerates or make things, you know, more dramatic than they really are. But it'll kind of give you a heads up of what you're going to watch. Yeah, that's the exact scene that I'm talking about. I had to turn away at that scene as well. Yeah, and so I just, yeah, I really like it. If you also just be prepared for what you're going to watch is what is what I have to say. Overall, I would give it probably an 8.5 out of 10. I've always known Darren Aronofsky to never pull any punches. So like the first time I watched it, I was just so confused by the chaos that I didn't know how to take like a lot of things that was happening. But I, I do know the second time I watched it, yeah, it was very difficult to watch because I was thinking to myself like wait was it always this violent because like I said the first time around I just don't think about it because you're so confused in the chaos and it kind of clouds a little bit of like kind of what you see and for your first impression your first glance and then upon second viewing I'm like man that was really violent oh my god so yeah definitely it's it's pretty gruesome compared to like most films you'd probably see like this is more gruesome than like a horror film you'd see you know um, just because of the intention and the intensity behind the characters that are committing the actions that's what makes these particular scenes so frightening regardless this film is still one of my favorite films i've added it to my list of like all-time top favorite films i have this list of films that are not ranked because I feel like they're so good amongst themselves by their own, but then they're still like one of my favorite films, and this is one of them, just because of the way it presents itself artistically, creatively, technically. I think Darren Aronofsky did a really good job. Jennifer Lawrence had an amazing performance, and everything behind this film, every frame was very intentional. And that's something I always admire when it comes to any kind of storytelling. When you want to tell a particular story, this is what you want to do. So Darren Aronofsky for sure is definitely one of like a storyteller to kind of look out for. There's a bunch of them like in this particular era of film history, filmmaking. Um, and I think he's definitely one of them that makes the top ones for this particular era. So that's pretty much it for the, the film review we're gonna move on to catching up on like our media our films and kind of like what we're watching and such so to be honest i haven't been watching a lot <laughs> because i've been watching your bts stuff counts okay <laughs> <laughs> it counts okay because i was like i haven't really been watching anything on tv first of all because it's summer and there are a lot of shows on during the summer Right. And all of my shows come back in the fall. The only thing on right now that I'm semi-watching is The Handmaid's Tale. But I've only, I'm only like three episodes in. And then yesterday I checked and they're like, you have five episodes unwatched. And I was like, seriously? Oh my god. I have so much to catch up on. But then yesterday I tried watching an episode and I couldn't even get through it because it got really boring. Yeah. <laughs> and... I was like, okay, like, when is, I need action, like, I need something to, like, happen. I know, like, there needs to be build-up, obviously, in a story, but I feel like the first two episodes are really intense, and then the third episode was just like, eh. Like, so far, like, into the episode, it was really boring for me, so I had to stop watching it. But, yeah, I really haven't been watching anything because I've been, quote-unquote, catching up on all, like, my BTS stuff. <laughs> 
because they have on this app it's called v live it's a korean app basically celebrities or artists they can they upload stuff like it's basically like youtube but for korean people okay so but on that bts they have their own variety show so i've been just i've just been catching up on that because they have like years and years worth of stuff oh i'm like oh my gosh when am i ever gonna catch up because every tuesday they release a video i'm like seriously like when do these guys have time to rest i'm like i feel like they never rest because they're always filming or doing something but um i recently saw a toy story i won't give away any spoilers but i really liked it the ending was really sad but i'm hoping this is the end for toy story because <laughs> it was a good ending because i feel like for toy story 3 it was already a good ending right and then i was like what are they gonna do for four now <laughs> so i feel like for the ending for toy story 4 it was really good and i feel like they should just leave it at that and nothing else <laughs> don't add more um why don't you talk about stranger things oh yes oh my god i was just gonna talk about I forgot I was going to say something because I was watching the only thing I've been watching was my BTS stuff. And then when Stranger Things came out, it just felt like a breath of fresh air <laughs> because <laughs> it felt like a breath of fresh air. I mean, I love the BTS stuff because they're hilarious, but I'm so sad because there's only what eight episodes and now I have to wait like another what year, year and a half for the next one to come out. If they do a next one, pretty sure there's going to be a next one though. But yeah, Jason and I binged it in probably like two or three days. Yeah, but wow, the okay. ending was so good. Have you guys seen it? No. Nope, what? it is on my watch list. Oh my gosh. I have not seen it yet. Oh, the ending was like the last episode was so good. You guys, this is so much better than season two. So much better. And I don't know, it might be season one. You can force wow. us to watch it by making it the next episode. I could, huh? You could. Yeah, you could. It'd be our first TV series, but I think it'd be an interesting... True. I had something yeah. in mind, but... um. But yeah, just an idea. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't mind watching it again because I, I probably missed stuff that I didn't pay attention to before. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I feel like that's all I've really been watching. I haven't been watching too much. Mm -hmm. Last episode, I talked about watching Riverdale Season 3. Right. So I watched Riverdale season three, and it is a piece of trash. So do not watch it. <laughs> All right, I ain't gonna it watch is, it. It is so bad. I oh my God. gave it hope, you know. And I love Cole Sprouse. I think he is a phenomenal actor. And so, you know, I was watching it and was like, okay, you know what? If not for anything, for Cole Sprouse. But it was just so bad, like. The story made no sense. They, like, put in, like, plot twists for the sake of plot twists. And it just... I was just like, I don't know what's happening. And then, like, um, if those for those of you who are familiar with the show, like, Vanessa Lodge's dad, Hiram Lodge, like, always tries to, like, do stuff, right? He's kind of like the big, bad brain dude or whatever. He's, like, the evil brain behind everything that's going wrong. And, you know, it's so obvious that he is. And then people, like, confront him about it. And it's like, you did this and you did this. And then he just looks them square in the face and goes, what are you talking about? I didn't do that. And I'm just like, dude, you are so obvious, you know. Um, and, and it's so obvious that 
there are some things happening, and it's just, uh, it it pissed me off. Every single time I sat down to watch it, I, like, braced myself about how bad it was going to be. Um, Sounds like Game of Thrones. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like Game of Thrones was worse. <laughs> oh, my God. Game bad. of Thrones was worse. Riverdale yeah. Season 3 was bad. Okay. Um, but it wasn't as bad as Game of Thrones. But anyway, that, that's another conversation. And then, let's see, I most recently watched Midsommar. It's a horror movie by a director named Ari Aster. He also did Hereditary, I think either last year or a couple years ago. Hereditary scared the living crap out of me and was terrifying. And so I was like, you know what? Let's go see Midsommar. Midsommar was good, but not great. But if you like horror movies, definitely consider going to check it out. The acting in Midsommar, though, is phenomenal. Like, so good. So well done. Props to, uh, what's her name? Is it Jennifer, Jennifer Pugh? No, Florence Pugh. Jennifer yeah. Lawrence is, is her <laughs> mother. Florence Pugh and Jack Rayner, I think. Those are the two main actors uh, slash actress. And they did so well. And then Black Mirror season five. Episode one, I watched that, and I am writing a blog on it. So be on the lookout for that. Actually, by the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be out. So please go and read it. Thank you. I think that's it for me. Wow. See, I love Black Mirror, but I haven't even watched the first or the the newest season. I'm surprised at myself that I haven't. Yeah, that first episode, like, I'm still chewing on it. Wow. I watched it. A couple weeks ago and I can't bring myself to watch the ne- next episode until I get my thoughts down on paper um, mm-hmm. and then I feel like I could watch the next episode after that. Are there only three episodes right? Yeah there's only a few there's not a lot. Okay. Cause... I think five episodes maybe. Oh five okay because I know there's only a few it wasn't a, a really big season. Yeah it wasn't that big but but the season five episode one has like all people of color in it which is great. Yeah. Um, and they do an amazing, phenomenal job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's me. I think okay. that's all that I've been doing. I really want to go see some movies that are coming out soon, but we'll see if that happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I might go see The Farewell tomorrow. Um, oh, yes, you lucky you have it. it in your area. I know. You're it doesn't lucky. exist in this Is it not small... in the Bay Area? I'm not going to drive all the way to Bay Area. The to two watch of you this can film. go for Dude, the sake of this podcast. You're not, you're not going to go uh, support your fellow Asians. What's wrong with you? <laughs> not two hours. <laughs> uh, it's only an hour and a half. It is three hours for me, okay? It is three hours total for me, there and back. That's nothing, man. <laughs> I could do that sleeping. No, there's a few friends I want to watch it with, actually. So I'm going to wait till it releases more local. Is it going to yeah. have a nationwide release? It better. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's been getting a lot of traction. Is. I just don't know when it's going to get a national release. The yeah, thing I... is, Sacramento still has Tower Theater, which plays like indie films and such. So it might release there. You could always ask or email them. Be like, hey, are you getting this movie in anytime soon? Because mm-hmm. I really, really want to go watch it. I mean, come on. It has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> no, I was like, Jesus. What the heck? It beat out <laughs> what? Did it, I heard... I could be wrong about my statistic, but it beat out the Avengers Endgame, like the new one, the re-released one. I, I know that yeah. it, it beat out Avengers Endgame at a higher per average theater than Avengers Endgame did. Yeah. I mean, That's come insane. on. 
Yeah. But I know that's that... that's the initial release, too. Yeah, and I know that... Um, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of celebrities did this for Crazy Rich Asians, but, you know, they would, like, buy out the theater and basically were giving, like, free tickets out to people. And I'm like, yeah. why don't I live in L.A.? Or New York City or something. Like, I really want to go watch it. Yeah. You guys can go. It's so Bay far. Area. It's no. far for me. It's not far for Larry. It is. Far. It an is an hour a and a half drive to watch. It's a, a six-hour round trip for me, Larry. Yeah, that's true. See, yeah. I mean, technically, I could fly out there. Are you gonna pick me up, Larry? <laughs> Better Uber yourself over there to the theater. <laughs> no. So I also watch Midsommar. It's like on that film scale I have of weirdness and in artistry, it's definitely a ten. It is really, really weird. Like I had this weird like WTF what the hell like what was going on as I was like watching it, and when I walked out I was like okay I still don't know what happened, but as I just kind of sat on it and just really I like I slept on it thought about it a little bit and I just kept looking outside like daytime like the daytime scared me a little bit or creeped me out, which is weird um because this film so Midsummer mainly takes place during the day. So I think it's like only during the day. There's no nighttime shots at all. If it is nighttime, it's like dusk or dawn. Or it's before they actually get to the place. Right. Um, yeah, and so the whole film was like, man, like, how can the daytime creep me out? And so the more I thought about it, the more it started to creep me out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop thinking about it. Um, so it's that kind of horror. It's the horror that really crawls under your skin. And it kind of lingers there for a little bit. I think Hereditary did that too. Um, oh yeah, yeah so, definitely. Yeah, so I, oh man, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, okay, <laughs> try not to think too much about it. <laughs> and then uh, lately, I've been watching this Korean survival game show called The Genius. I'm like on season three right now. There's only like four seasons of it, and that's just been like addicting because basically, like these uh, contestants, they try to eliminate one another each episode until the last one, which becomes like which wins the prize money. And uh, it's interesting because a lot of these games are very social based. So and uh, but some people are really good at the games, and some people are like they're not good at the game, but they they can they know how to talk to people who are good at the game. So there's like a lot of like backstabbing and just all this crazy chaos and plot twists and whatnot. And I think they did a really good job like telling each episode as as it is. Which so it's like a twist of like a reality show and a game show at the same time. So yeah, I thought it's really it's really interesting. Um, yeah, and so I, with that, oh go ahead. I was gonna say I watched a couple episodes with you, Larry, and it's kind of like Survivor, but with like social intrigue games as the mm-hmm. main way in which you eliminate players. So it's very interesting for those of you who are into social intrigue, um, like uh, party games and stuff like that. I think it's worth checking out. Yeah, you'll find the first season on YouTube. Um, someone has politely subtitled all of them in English, which is really nice. But yeah, and there's only four seasons, so you know it'll end by the fourth season. And I started watching it at, at a recommendation of a YouTube channel, so I'm like, you know what, I think I'll check it out. And yeah, I really liked it a lot. And so with this, this really like increased my interest in Korean culture and storytelling. So I've been looking around for like Korean dramas <laughs> and K-pop artists and such. It's uh, it, it got ho, 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 does it mean yeah. you'll watch an episode of Run BTS? <laughs> it's a variety show. I mean, I'll check it out, Jess. But <laughs> I'll I'll send you like one or two. 
Sure. Um, send me, like, a good one. Because, like, for the genius, like, there are some really good episodes, and there's some, like, ah, uh, it's okay. So, yeah, I can probably send, like, one or two to Jonathan just because yeah. of the way they, they tell it. But I mean, I mean the like ones that. that I watch, it's more just, like, variety, like, fun things. It's not, like, any. I don't think it's anything like what you're watching. Oh, no, no. Of course yeah. not. A variety yeah, yeah, as yeah. in, like, they would, like, one episode they do cooking or another episode they do. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah. They'll, okay. they'll play games or they'll do something else, but... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm always a fan of variety shows because they have variety. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's like I think what we were talking about it last time we were all together. Like it's interesting how Koreans do TVs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very different from like I guess American variety game shows because I feel like I don't even watch any American variety game shows now because it's so they're it's boring. Yeah, like it seems like when American for american tv shows they have to be very specific or very niche they don't really have variety in a lot of things yeah um yeah because if it's a game show it's a game show or if like um you ever do you remember that that japanese um game show called mxc yeah it's like they have they have all these really random things like obstacles yeah you know they have to run so there's an american version of that but it's not the same you know what i mean it just doesn't have that wackiness yeah. It just seems like, it just looks ridiculous, you And know? we were even saying how a lot of American, sh- like, shows like that, they've come from, like, Asian, Southeast Asian countries, like, like, Japanese game shows or, like, Korean variety shows or, like, Korean music shows. It's funny how Americans just want to just redo it, but they don't do it well. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know. They just, they're running out of ideas, so they're yeah. just stealing everything or retelling everything. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And also, I watched this documentary called I Am the White Tiger. I, I previewed it last time when you guys were here, Jess. Do you remember? You, you said the guy was from Shaolin Popeye. Maybe. Remember what I'm talking about? Maybe. I have to look it up. Yeah. Um, it's about this. It's a documentary about this British guy named Mark Houghton. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, remember. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. He wanted to break into the Hong Kong film industry because he loved martial arts. He, he loved uh, the culture. But he, he was white. He basically wanted to be Asian. Well, he was white. <laughs> I know. So no one wanted him in this film industry. You know, they're like, you know, you don't really know anything about this. You know, so you're not, we're not going to give you a chance or anything. And it wasn't until uh, Lao Kar Lung, he's like a Hong Kong martial artist, choreographer, or he was. And uh, he took him in, uh, took him in as a disciple and started just throwing him into all his films, basically. And so he would play like the the token white bad guy that you would see in this really old 80s and 90s Hong Kong films. And the thing is, like, Mark Houghton didn't just love martial arts. He was actually really good at it, too. So uh, the, the stuff you see in those 80s, 90s films, like, that's legit choreography. That's legit uh, action stunts because he took a love into it, had a passion for it, and took an interest in it. He was in Shaolin Popeye. He was the, the tall white guy that... Um, the, he was the a bad guy. Sha- yeah, that the little Shaolin kid was fighting. Yeah, it, it yeah, was him. I remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is which is pretty cool. I'm like, oh, okay, so he's in one of the fil- he's in, he's in one of our favorite childhood films, and we didn't even know. And then Mark Houghton gets injured in one of his films, and he retires from martial arts. And then in 2013, he meets up with his master Lao Kar Lung. Lao Kar Lung was suffering through uh, leukemia, and then he had a feeling he was gonna die, so he goes and tells mark like his last dying wish for him 
and then he and then Mark goes out and fulfills it within the next six years. And so this was six years ago, and then Lacarlong died in twenty thirteen, like June twenty thirteen or something. But yeah, it was, it was really good. Uh, very emotional, very personal to Mark's story, and very impactful because. For someone like him, like it's kind of like what we're kind of going through too within our film industry. You know, we have a love for these stories, we have a love for acting, we have a love for all these things, but no one wants to take us in. And it wasn't until finally someone gives us one chance, uh, gives us a chance to do it, and you know, we shine, we do good. And um, this is the kind of the same story, just flip, just flipped the colors, you know. And uh, I, I thought they really did a good job telling uh, his story on that. I am low-key working on a few projects uh, involving video essays, but it's still like in its early production stages. So I've been watching a lot of like old-school martial arts films or Jet Li films. I watched Kiss of the Dragon the other day, and I thought to myself, man, this is actually a really good movie. It's not bad. There's a movie that you and I watched now that we're talking about martial arts stuff. Well, do you remember watching Buffalo Boys when I was back home? Yeah. Um, that movie was really good. Um, mm-hmm. surprisingly and so if you want like a action um, ish movie and drama it is Indonesian film I think um, yes I heard of it because uh, I really like Yoshi Sudarso and he is in the film plays one of the main characters but the film Buffalo Boys is on Netflix if you want to check it out so that's it for this episode of The Outside Story thank you for tuning in And once again, I am Larry. Jess. Jessica. Is she gone? Oh, sorry. I thought I I said it, but I didn't unmute it. I was was like, like, what the heck? (laughs) You totally missed your cue. (laughs) I said it, but then I was like, wait, why is it shot? I was like, did she leave? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, did you just leave? Was my story too boring? <laughs> yeah, it was so boring. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is going to end. I'm Jessica. Wait, why don't we start no, over? We're going to start all over. Okay, Larry, go ahead and start. Right, we'll start the review over again, too. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. All right, so uh, thank you for listening to The Outside Story. And oh, oh my God, that's not how I started. <laughs> okay. All right, <laughs> let's start over. Okay. So that about wraps up. Then. Yes, okay. All right, so that about does it for this episode of The Outside Story. And once again, I am Larry. I'm Jessica. And I'm Jonathan. And thanks for listening.